welcome to this episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves of Nam, where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded, Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and rising. I met Juan Berbeo on Christmas Eve in the entrance to my apartment building. He was wearing an apron and I asked if he was doing some cooking. He replied, yes, I'm a chef. Well, you can imagine my excitement. We had a brief chat in the lift and to my delight he agreed to talk to me for conversation with the chef. Juan is executive chef and the guy behind the concept of Berbeo Bros. Arriving in Melbourne from Colombia 14 years ago, he worked at Pastuso, Movida and Rockpool before opening Berbeo Bros with his brother Sebastian. The brothers are third generation of Berbeo butchers and cooks, with their family having been in hospitality for over 50 years in Colombia. Grandparents then parents catered for a thousand covers a day in a restaurant on the road between Colombia's capital Bogota and Fusagasuga, a central region of the Andes Mountains. And Juan says he grew up in the pots, working with his parents from a very young age. Juan is passionate about sharing Colombian street food and he does that at his restaurant in South Melbourne. He also wholesales products around Australia and cooks at countless festivals and farmers markets. What sets Berbeo Bros apart from other barbecued meat is that they cook their marinated meat on a vertical spinner over red gum charcoal. Such is the following they've garnered for the style of cooking that Juan and his team are set to start producing and selling home spinners. I'm keen to get along to the next festival and check it out all for myself, or check it all out for myself. <laughs> um, talking to Juan made me so hungry. I'll keep you posted and maybe I'll see you there. We had a studio apartment for seven years and like over lockdown and everything and it was um, a bit small. Like, the studio was really just, you just closed the door across over the bed and so it was really tight. It was like a hotel, oh, really? it was like a hotel room. It, it, not here, but in the oh. in Abbotsford and um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was teaching, because I teach French um, as well as do this, um, I was teaching online and um, yeah, Charlie just couldn't really be there because <laughs> it was like, he's right in the room. So he ended up going and staying for a lot of the time down on the peninsula at his parents' place just because oh, it was, okay. yeah. So you just teach French and do the podcast? Yeah, yeah. So I teach in a high school full time um, and the podcast is a hobby, I guess. Um, and I also write for broadsheet sometimes. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's it's awesome. Good. Yeah, I love it. It's nice. I think teaching French as well. Somehow food and French go together. That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we've been, I don't think, we've been like in one article at Perch It. Because we do the, the style of cooking that we do is kind of unique. Yeah. Have you seen it? I'll show you quickly what yeah. we do. Um, we 
we might be doing one i'm not sure whether next weekend or the following weekend we will be doing a a cook up in front of our business so basically this is what we do oh okay so what do you call that that's like a vertical rack it's a vertical spinner we call it we call it um this called trompo which is called a spin which is like a spinner Okay. That was the festival, last festival this weekend. It was a Vida Latin festival. Oh, okay. It was on um, between the National Gallery and Shrine of Remembrance. Yeah. Along St. Kilda Road. Okay. Um, pretty much between St. Kilda Road and the Botanical Gardens. It's like a big green area. Yeah. So that's where we had the festival and we, we did really well. And you, um, do you do lots of those festivals? Plenty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that looks delicious. Gosh, your video quality is really good, isn't it? Yeah. It is an iPhone like yours. Yeah, yeah. That looks 3D. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So we use Wagyu. I use Wagyu cuts and I use pork shoulder. People just love it. Wow. It's delicious. Look at it glistening. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it smells good too. Yeah. I'll be doing one once I know the, the, the date. I don't know whether it's this not tomorrow the following Sunday or the following Sunday or later you can come we are just oh, yeah. in South Melbourne oh great yeah I'd love that perfect yeah are you from New Zealand I am yeah I'm going to New Zealand on Tuesday are you I'm Wait. going to Auckland oh yeah no that's I'm from Christchurch from South, Christchurch South Island <laughs> I'm going there because I'm researching well I'm organising Meatstock okay Meatstock is like a meat and barbecue festival okay so it's done in New Zealand in Australia, so we're doing Hamilton in New Zealand, we're doing uh, Bendigo, we're doing Toowoomba in Queensland, okay. we're doing Sydney showgrounds, and there is also in Brazil. Wow, okay. Um, I'm not doing Brazil one, but um, it's a, a really cool festival, it's like massive, there's over a hundred tons of people over the weekend. Wow, okay. And people pay to get in. Okay. And then pay for the food or? And then they pay for the food. It's Gosh. funny, like they pay $50, $60 to get in. Yeah. And then on top of it, they just buy meat, whatever they, they can buy. It's like a festival, but you need to pay to get in. So is it all barbecue or not necessarily? It is, yeah. it is barbecue, like, um, take, like American barbecue. Yeah. And we do our style. <clears throat> but yeah, everything. You, you name it. So when you go to Auckland, are you cooking there as well, or are you? I'm gonna cook. You're gonna ta- do you take your equipment <coughs> over there? Yeah, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna ship it to 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 Auckland. To, oh. So I'm actually going next week because I need to ship my stuff, but I don't know where to ship it. So I need to make contacts. You know, I need yeah. to say, hey, we we're doing this. You know, maybe I, I was thinking of the charcoal suppliers. Say, look, I'm gonna buy from you, but let me ship this to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know anyone there already? Just the organisers, I suppose? Um, I've got some, some contacts, yeah. but the best thing is to go yourself and show your face and say, look, this is what we're doing. Yeah, of course. So, so it's your first time to New Zealand? Yes. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to... Yeah, I'm going to go Tuesday and I'll come back on Friday, just a quick yeah, quick business kind of trip and... The good thing about Auckland, to me, Auckland's just another big city, but, um, I mean, it's quite a small city compared to Melbourne and so on, but but you can really quickly get out of Auckland to these amazing beaches like Piha and Raglan and those ones that sort of, um, the areas around it are really beautiful. I mean, it's got some lovely 
It's a bit like Sydney in that it's got a lot of waterfront as well. There's, you can get a ferry across to Waiheke Island and so on. But yeah, it's quite... The North Island's quite different from the South Island. Yeah. It's quite a big food movement in New Zealand now. Um, That's good. Yeah. So, um, and, and there's this, you know, um, people are becoming a lot more uh, conscious of, of sustainability and so on. So there's a lot of big conversations and about calling on indigenous um, knowledge as well and, and cooking in some of those ways. So, yeah, I think... Um, the hangy. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the hangy, that's right. Which is a... That style of cooking is done in lots of different countries. Cooking, would you have that in Colombia uh, as well? We have we have similar style. Yeah. In uh, in the flats of Colombia, the yeah. border with uh, Venezuela. Yeah. So. But yeah, so, I think, New Zealand is gonna be really good. So I'm, I'm taking probably four hundred kilos of meat. <laughs> oh God! Wow. <laughs> I sold three hundred and fifty kilos here. Really. Over a weekend, or one day. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And um, do you work with your brother? My brother, he's a partner, but he's kind of like a silent partner. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. He he's more construction, and he's the one that helped build the place. Yeah. Uh, but um, he he has another job. He, yeah. He works in construction. So when you go over there, do do. To cook um, at meat stock, would do you go by yourself or do you have? I come with my partner, yeah. and maybe a good friend of mine will come, yeah. and then we just get people to help. Okay. Because we do the kind of all the stuff that people don't know. We we do it, but we can get it done. I'm gonna get there. The festival is twenty fourth, twenty fifth of Feb, mm-hmm. so we get in there the nineteenth. Okay. To prep everything, to organize everything, to find everything we need. And then we just get a few people just to help us put things together, like at the time of service. Yeah. And that's it. It, it does always amaze me um, that, that chefs can just, you know, step into like a different country or a different restaurant or whatever and just just go for it. Like. Yeah. But I'm actually chipping the meat from here. Yeah. Oh. I'm chipping the meat from here. So that you can be sure of the quality or? Just to, to be honest, because I'm using Wagyu. Yeah. So the wagyu that I use is um, it's called share wagyu. It's from Ballarat. Have you? I've heard it. Yeah. You've heard of it. Yeah. I got. I buy directly from them. Like yeah. I know the the owners. So this is a couple. The lady's called Vicky Sher. So we just call her and say, "Look, I need this." So we've been planning. We've been planning this for like six months ago. Okay. So we're doing the shipment and everything. We already got the contact to send. Okay. It. Yeah. I already got the contact to send the the staff. Yeah, yeah. So. Wow. It's amazing. Um, yeah, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am recording. <laughs> um, but you've been cooking for a long time. Well, I was born in, in the pots, do we say, because I'm <laughs> we, we are third generation of cooking. Mm. So, my granddad had... My, my, my family was a little bit more of butcher, like a butcher. They had butchers in, in town. But um, my granddad and my grandmother had the, the only restaurant that there was between the capital, between Bogota and my town. My town is called Fusagasuga. So they had the restaurant kind of in the middle of both cities. And they could serve 
1,000 to 1,500 people a day. <laughs> so they made like, they had like pots with soup and they, the pots wow. would hold uh, 200 liters of, of soup. And they had like five of them cooking. And they also make a plate that is called fritanga, which is basically the offal, like all the um, lamb, heart, and they kind of deep fry it with the, with the belly. And you just eat it with some potatoes on the side and sauce and stuff and black pudding, mm-hmm. chorizo. So they used to buy like, they used to, I think my dad told me that they used to sacrifice like about 10 cows a week and about 30 pigs a week. And they had to go to like the big, uh, like a big place in Bogota to buy um, uh, pork belly in bulk and all this offal to keep up with the demand. Even my dad has like a story that at the end of the day, they just got boxes of money and they had a room full of boxes with money. <laughs> and they just, yeah, like wow. my, my dad had to go and help my grandmother to count all the money and they would take two, three hours counting money. Even times because my, grada, my grandmother back in the day, she had, uh, she's married. Sometimes she burned, they burned the money because she was like with the ashes. <laughs> wow. Like they were just smoking and then counting and then all of a sudden, oh, you know, we've, this, we've this, this it, yeah. caught fire. <laughs> God, wow, what a story. Is it, so how did they, I mean, obviously the food was really good, but that's huge volumes of people. They just made a name for themselves. They had like a big restaurant and they cooked everything with wood and charcoal. So they had, uh, this called Falca. Falca is like a big, it's like a, like a bench, like a, you say, what can you say? Like a bench and it had holes in the middle, but it was made with cement and um, clay. Okay. And then they made holes underneath. So they would put the wood and the charcoal and then they would sit the pots on top of those structures to cook. So it was like a big stove, but it was, it was made out of with um, bricks and cement and, okay. and clay. Yeah, wow. And, you know, to put like big pots and they also had some fondos, which was, it, it was like the the shape of a fire pit, but a, a little bit taller. And they would cook everything on that, you know, oil. And they need to make the, the with the fat of the pork, they used to make the lard to cook everything. You know, it's not like they could just go to the supermarket and buy oil. Okay. So they just did that. Wow. And so <laughs> your grandfather started doing that, but... Grandfather did, and grandmother. Yeah. So that was the decision they made to get into hospitality and restaurants what what was happening for their family that that was possible I guess because I feel like if that hadn't happened before I mean third generations were already great but so they, they made that decision and then had this huge restaurant that's a big how did they do that <laughs> what training did he have oh he's a butcher they they, they had the butcher training yeah and they had knowledge from like the family cooking yeah, yeah. just you know yeah they started cooking and they got, I think, I don't know much about my grand-grandfather, but I think he also had some, like, cooking skills. Mm. And they, they just decided to open the restaurant. God, that's amazing, isn't it? But it was funny because it was the first one, and it was the only one between the two cities. Oh. So all the buses, like the tourism buses, and everyone had to stop there to yeah. eat. Yeah. So it was, like, full of cars, and it was so busy. So they were onto it. They, that, was a, that, that was clever. Yeah, they were they, they were really clever, and um, 
My granddad also used to sing. He played the guitar and everything. He was a bit of a bohemian guy, you know, like drinking, a lot of drinking, a lot of like going out, uh, Casanova, even though he had my grandmother. Come on, we could make a film about this. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was, it's like a, such a big story. Wow. And um, I think they, they, they divorced after a while. Okay. And then my grandmother moved to my town, to, to Fusa. And my granddad did, and they kind of like split, split the money. And she bought a property in, in another area. My granddad bought a property in another area. And then she, my grandmother kept the restaurant and just worked all, all her life with, with the restaurant. And that's how she, she got money. She bought like two, three houses. Wow. And yeah, that's how she helped all the family. And my granddad on the other side, he had the property, he had like some animals. So because it was like a big land, he had cows, pigs, um, lamb, and um, he had some fruit in the, in, the, in the property. And he used to do the barbecues like, you know, people will hire him and he will go and do the barbecue um, and sing and drink. And then he found another wife. But before my grandmother, he had another wife and he had two kids with that wife. I don't know. I don't know much about the story. But then when he got with my grandmother, he had they had seven kids. So they had I got seven. I got ten uncle, uncle and aunties. Wow. So he had three wives with the last wife. He had one, okay. one girl. Right. And. That's the one, she's the one that he died with. She was the last one. Okay. She's still alive and my grandma is still alive. She's 95, 96 right now. Wow, gosh. Okay. And yet she just tells the stories and like, oh no, we used to do this and you know, all this. So it's so crazy to, to, to know all this. And that's why my, my, my father learned all that from my mother, my grandmother, my, my granddad. Yeah. And he kept doing it. He had restaurants as well. All, like all my my childhood, I remember that I was in restaurants helping out when I was little. And that's how I learned all these techniques. Yeah. For me, it was kind of normal. And for me, it was kind of like, a, it was compulsory for me to help, you know, like I yeah. had to help. Like I had to get up and help them when I was in holidays and I was... I had to do it also when after school I had to help and like yeah. I used to study Monday to Friday and then on Friday when I finished school if I wanted to go out like I would go home and say dad can I go out he's like yeah but you have to finish this first and to finish this first it was for me to kill two lambs and <laughs> process them and do the whole thing or make black pudding and then the following the Saturday I had to get up at five in the morning to go with mom to the market and buy all the vegetables everything and because I, I had the one to had to carry everything mm. and I was the one that was driving so I had to help mom doing right. everything wow and that that's a pretty pretty good education but still it's um it's a lot isn't it and then but then you decided you wanted to be a vet is that right I started um yeah because for me cooking was like normal you know like yeah. I didn't say to myself I need to go to school to cook because I could cook yeah. So many things like when I was 12 years old, I even my, my dad had too many events at the same time on the, on the weekend and he couldn't do any more. And somebody came to the restaurant and say, 
hey, I need someone to come and cook uh, 50 kilos of meat for my family because we're doing this. So we need someone to do the barbecue and do the stuff that you guys do. And my dad is like, I can't do it. I'm busy. But if you want, I can send you my, my son. Uh, okay, Where, where's your son? So my dad would call me, Juan, come. And I was like 12 years old. So I'm like, oh, here's this guy. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. How you going? Uh, he, um, he wants you to, they need someone to do this. So you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, that if you want me to, I can do it. Like, okay. And then uh, nice to meet you. See you later. And then he will ask, he will talk to my dad. He's like, you sure he's going to be able to? He's like, yeah, don't worry. He's all good. And I used, they picked me up. I went to the wherever property, wherever they had the, the event. I cooked everything. Earned some money when I was 12, lots of money. And then, and then came home happy. Yeah. Wow. That <laughs> yeah, was good. And then because of those things, because I was little and I used to do this all the time, for me it was normal. You know, like I didn't say, oh, I want to become a chef. Mm. Because it was, already, it was already there. Yeah. So I never thought of that. And... I thought that, you know, it's a lot of um, commitment when you have a business. It's too hard, you know, to maintain it, yeah. to deal with um, the employees. You know, having employees is really hard, especially when cooking. So I never thought of that. So I said, I'm going to start um, Animal and Veterinary Sciences. And I did one year in Colombia and then I decided to come to Australia. My best friend was here and he helped me to come here. I did English for like eight months and then I got into university. I got a La Trobe University and mm. I started two, two years there. I had to do one more year, but I couldn't finish it because it was too expensive and I was paying for everything, working full time, studying full time. An international fee. An international fee. At the time it was quite a lot. So I was like, mm, maybe, maybe I need to stop this. So I moved to cooking because I already knew how to cook and I was already cooking in like a catering business. So I was like, it was like the difference between paying university and paying a TAFE was quite diff big. So I was like, no, I'm just gonna do cooking. So I became a professional chef here in Australia. Yeah. And then you worked in some pretty great restaurants too. Um, I did, so I started working in uh, Epicure, which is spotless back in the day at uh, MCG yeah. in uh, Fitzroy Gardens. There used to be a cafe, Pavilion Cafe, I think it was. Then from there, they moved me to the National Bank when it opened first time in Docklands. It was like 5,000 employees. So we worked at the cafe. So we used to do the functions, you know, the tea, tea room, tea, you know, when they had tea. So we used to do sandwiches oh, and scones and all this. Oh yeah. And then I that's when I saw when I spoke to the chef. I said, "Look, I I think I, I got a little bit of knowledge in the kitchen. Can you give me an opportunity to do it?" He's like, "Yeah, come and try one day." So I started helping them, and that's when I started working for the like for the first time in the kitchen. Mm. And then um, from there, I moved to um, Peter Royland to do the. We did Pompeii exhibition when the Pompeii exhibition was here. Yeah. We were cooking Italian food with this um, Italian chef with Nina. She also teach me the, like she told me a lot of uh, Italian cooking. And then from there, I moved to Rockpool. I got some contacts and I was able to work at Rockpool. I worked there for a few months. 
Um, I didn't like it so much because for you to, to, to move from one side to another in Rockpool, you had to stay for more than a year. Mm. So it was kind of boring for me. So I moved from there to Albert Park Hotel. Then from Albert Park, I went to Cafe Orange on Chapel Street. Oh, yeah. yeah. Used to be massive. Oh, we used to serve like 500 um, breakfast a day, like on the weekend. It was crazy. Like yeah. the turnover of the place was so when incredible. when was that? Oof, I would say 12 years ago, yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then from Cafe Orange, I went to a Greek bakery. I learned a little bit of Greek pastries um, while I was there I got in contact with Movida so I went to Movida I worked at Movida original for two years uh, when they had two hats so you had to book three months in advance to get yeah, there that's right and I learned I think when I went to Movida was when I actually learned how to cook in a proper kitchen you know like under under pressure like yeah doing lots of people so the person like I studied in all the sections, but the person that did the pen section had to cook for the whole restaurant. So it was massive. It was very busy and you had to kind of memorize everything because you didn't have like dockets in front of you. You just had the chef calling the dockets to you. So it was like massive, like really, really big. And that's, that's where I learned how to cook, I think, like in a proper kitchen. So um, that's, was, that's more Spanish. That's Spanish, yeah. Flavors, yeah. So I did that uh, for two years and then I went to, um, I ran, they had a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant that was called Paco's Tacos. And they had it on where Movida Aquí is, on uh, Little Burke and Little Williams. Yeah. There was like a little place there and they had tacos and I started doing, I, went, I was there for a little while, then I moved to Piqueos. It was like a, Latin American restaurant on in Carton on North in Rathaun Street. And then I don't know how someone contacted me from Maribel Group. Mm. And I went to Maribel Group in Sydney. So yeah. I moved I moved to Sydney for a few months. Oh yeah. I worked at El Loco, the Mexican place. Do you think it's different in Sydney, the food scene to Melbourne? Yeah. I think the f- food here in Melbourne is more kind of down to earth and it's more affordable. Yeah. Um, like in Sydney, you have to pay a lot of money to kind of get food. But here you you go to, you know, you spend less money and you, you still get a decent meal. Um, I think it's very pretentious, Sydney sometimes, you know. Melbourne, you can go to really cheap places and you get like an amazing meal, so... That's, that's what I like about Melbourne. And it's got so much variety and the quality I think is much better. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I think. Mm. Yeah, and because when I was at, the, when I was at Movida, I had an accident. Um, I broke my wrist and I had a really big recovery. Wow. Um, and I had some issues with my visa. So when I was in Sydney, I, was apply, I applied for a visa, but the visa got, got um, denied because because I didn't send some documents when I was um, in recovery mm-hmm. and immigration don't, don't see those things. So when I was in Sydney, they told me, no, you, the only thing that you, 
that you can do right now is to leave the country because if you don't leave, then you'll be penalized for three years if you don't if you overstay. If you overstay, so I went back to Colombia and I went back for fifteen months. I stayed in Colombia. Wow. To help my mom and dad in the restaurant, and I used to make lechona, which is like a stuffed pig, and it's like a traditional dish in Colombia. What's it stuffed with? Uh, rice, pork, oh. uh, yellow split peas, some parsley, and then you slow cook it in the oven for like twelve hours. Wow, yum! And it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> delicious. We we sell it at our restaurant Do you? as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so you must like it here because you wanted to come back. You could have stayed home, I guess. Yeah, I was there and I looked for jobs and the payment was really bad. And oh. <laughs> he was yeah. working like six days and working like 60 hours a week and also probably more. Um, so I was always looking, you know, they, I was like the only way for me to come back because I didn't have much money. It was like to be a sponsor. Oh, yeah. Because I had finished my, my, my certificate three, I think it was. <clears throat> so I the people, the guys, the Piqueos, Piqueos guys on in Carto North, I had already worked with them and I made like a friendship with them. And they were I saw that they were looking for chefs. And I said, Why don't you help me out and help me get the sponsorship and I come and help you? And then after fifteen months I was able to return, you know, with yeah. the with their help. Yeah. Um were you always thinking that you might like to have your own business or how did that come about? Be, yeah, because when we were doing, um, when we were working, we did some festivals. We did a Spanish festival and we were really busy. We did really well. So people were saying like, oh, when are you going to open your own? When are you going to do this? And we said, well, when the right time comes and, you know, we were not residents or anything. So it was really hard to kind of have a business on, a, on an student visa. Mm. So we waited a long time, and but it was always there, you know. It was always the plan to have something. And the and the Berabeo brothers in um, Colombia is that your dad runs that, or who is that, or is that yours as well? Berbeo was in Colombia. Yeah, in Colombia used to be Colasadero Berbeo, so it was run by my my mom and dad. Yeah, but um, they closed it. They I told them we told them to close because it was really hard to run and. Dealing with like the, like we say, the employees and so I said to them, you guys have worked a lot, so just take it easy and we help you guys out. And they just do, they just work from home. We got a big property, so they prepare everything there. People sometimes go and buy from there, like um, they go and pick up or when they have events, they just hire my dad or my mom to do this stuff for them. Yeah. So that's what they've been doing for the last five years yeah and they've come here three times they've they've helped us in the festivals as well so they've been yeah they've been here three times and it's been really good to have them here um yeah and then i came to this restaurant i had some issues with the visa because the restaurant withdrew my application when i was because i needed some more time and they sold the restaurant So my only way to stay was also to find another sponsor. So I found uh, three sponsors, but I chose to go with uh, Pastuso. So I went into Pastuso. I worked at Pastuso for three for two years. Wow. I, w- I was the head chef for two years. And then after that, I applied for my residency. They helped me to get the oh. residency. 
And after that, I was there for another two years. I was I was a pastor for four years. I was the head is, chef. Is it when Alejandro? Alejandro was the head chef yeah. at the time, and then I took his position. Oh, I see. Um, he's very passionate, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's he's good. He's really good, and he helped me a lot with my oh, good. with my visa as well. So I'm very thankful. Yeah. With with him. That's a that's a fun place. There's a lot going on there with the. Um, Ceviche, like the cold kitchen and the, yeah. the grill and all that stuff. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. really busy. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud that, you know, I worked there for four years and I learned yeah. a lot from, from that place um, because they supply courses for you to, like, hospitality courses. Oh, good, yeah. So I learned a lot of things there to, to run a restaurant, to run a business. Yeah, because it's not just about food, is it? It's, it's all that, um, staff, as you say, staff management and money, the money side of things, you know. The costings is like the most important thing. It must be so stressful because as a chef, you just want to prepare all this really beautiful food, but then you've got the, the cost. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you can prepare anything, but if, if it's not going to be worth it, it's not going to make you money. Yeah. It's, you're not doing anything, so that's why you get all these courses and that's why you learn... And that's why I say, like, being a chef is not just the it's not just about cooking and making amazing food. It's about running a place, doing the costings right, mm. you know, having a good, a good, um, a good team behind you to run it. So yeah, yeah it was it was really good. We were really successful at Pastuso at the time. And then when I got my residency, I was like, okay, now I can probably find something for myself. So I found Perbelbras, I found where the Perbelbras is. And we, we, we rented with my brother. We did like six months of work to fix it before we opened. How um, big is it? Uh, it's only, we got 24 seats inside. Yeah. And we got another, uh, another, 15 seats outside. Mm. Um, but is the main thing catering or festivals or do you have people come <coughs> we have, we have the We have like three businesses. So we have the, the restaurant. Yeah. I call it like an eatery more than a restaurant. It's like more quick. We try to do quick food, but well, well, well prepared. Um, we have the catering with the festivals and we also do wholesale so I we make them frozen products oh. and we distribute them around Australia okay so all our products are already in all the states in so what what would they be are they actual meals or like we have uh, empanadas we have uh, cheese balls which is called buñuelos we have arepas which is like a flatbread but it's got 50% cheese inside it mm. we also do cheese um, lechona, the stuffed pig that I was talking about. We also pack it in containers. Chorizo and morcilla, black pudding. Mm. So we distribute that as well. Wow. And the barbecue, you, do you barbecue there? or? Um, we, we have like a gas barbecue in the restaurant, but we do events outside the restaurant. Okay. So that's when we do the cook cups, when we do the carne la llanera. Yeah. Um, we we have like a big food pass, so so we get a permit, and we do the festival there. But we do like yeah, people just come and buy our food, and that's it. Yeah. So what you were showing me before um, on the spinner, 
How long does that take to cook that meat? I'd say four hours. Oh yeah. Is it marinated or is it marinated we, or is it? Um, yeah, we marinate it with um, a spring onion, capsicum, thyme, bay leaf, garlic, and we blend it with beer. Oh. And we rub it with that. Wow. We put a salt. Before the marinade, we put salt. So it's salt, cumin, pepper, a little bit of saffron, mix it together, and then we, we put on the meat. <clears throat> so it, give, it gives like a little bit of a red color. Mm. And then we put the marinade, which is kind of green, greenish. And that's why it looks like it's like green. Wow, that sounds delicious. And then what would people, what, what sides do you have with that? <clears throat> it normally comes with potatoes and guacamole. But we have to convert it to bread because people in Australia just want sliced bread. They, people don't understand the potatoes, so we boil the potatoes. So we put bread now. Yeah. We just say, you know, you get pork, beef, bread, and you get a little salsa, tomato salsa. And if they want, they can add guacamole or they can add a chorizo. Yeah. And we also do bread rolls. So we get the bread rolls and we stuff them with the pork or with the wheat, beef, and we put uh, pickled red onion, and two sauces, one mayo and one, it's kind of like a salsa verde, parsley, garlic, jalapeno, lemon juice, and oil. And that's how we, we kind of present the, the rolls. And that's how we, that's what we just sell, just us. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so good. And um, do, do you pretty much always sell out? Yeah, we, we, we always try and do, probably I would say 150, 200 kilos. And if we have leftovers, um, I cut it and I freeze it because I leave it like medium. So then we reheat it at little uh, pop-ups in, uh, in the markets. We do farmer's markets as well sometimes. Okay. Um, and we also sell it like I've got friends that they buy the takeaway containers. I'd give them like 250 grams of meat, pork and beef. And they just put it in the oven, frozen. I don't know how they do it, but they say, no, we just chuck it in the, in the oven, frozen. And we put it like really high temperature for a, for a little while. But then it cooks really well and it's still nice and juicy. I was like, oh, it, yeah. works, it works for them. <laughs> Good, lucky them. Yeah. And um, there must be a lot of um, interaction with people, especially at those festivals, because you're right there, aren't you? Um, cooking in front of them and so on. Is that an aspect that you enjoy or you know, do you like an open kitchen? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like we get taken like thousands of pictures every time that we do a, something like that. Cause it's quite unique, the style that we do in the, the spinner that we do. So it's got to the point that people are so interested in the spinners that we are going to start building them and we're going to sell them to people in a smaller version yeah. so they can feed them onto the little barbecues, the round barbecues like Weber's or Yambach's, you know, people at home. Pretty much every Australian has a Weber. Yeah. So we're planning to assemble those on top of the Weber's so people can cook at home. It's a great idea. So yeah. we got... And what do you use? Do you use wood or charcoal? We use wood and charcoal. Yeah. We use wood for like kind of smoking and we use the charcoal for heat. Yeah. Do you have a, a particular wood you like to use? Uh, we use red gum. Yeah. Seems to be the favourite here, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, and it's quite easy to, to access. Uh, yeah. So we use red gum and charcoal, lambwood charcoal. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's awesome to see people enjoying what we do. And it's something different. So people stay, stay in there for like a few minutes, 
just looking at the mechanism and how we do it and they're like oh how do you do it so I have to repeat myself like a thousand times but it's awesome to see that you know people love it yeah. and it's something interesting yeah it's not like you're something that people have seen so many times that they're like oh yeah just yeah. give me one but now they like more interested when they see it so. yeah wow well it sounds like it's um got lots <clears throat> of challenges and you know you're not going to get bored because you're coming up with these different um branches and ideas and you yeah going to all these different events so that's good <laughs> Yeah, the planning future is to, you know, to run this business and then probably next big move will be to, um, you know, start producing these spinners in mass production and then probably opening a restaurant in the city mm. with this set up <clears throat> very well exposed in the restaurant when people come in, they can see the, the setup. So it'll be kind of like a steakhouse. So Yeah. It's, it's, it's in the cards, it's there. But it's slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and how can people find you? Like, you know, so does it say on your website what festivals you're going to or farmers markets? or? We, we use more Instagram. Okay, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the up, updates on, on like a website. Yeah. But um, yeah, we do just on Instagram. Hey guys, we're doing this and we share stories and we do posts or reels showing to people what we do so that's how people follow us yeah yeah that's how we are well known and then you know with now with the post podcast we've been like on the on the radio as well you're on sbs haven't you as well sbs uh the other day i was in this radio station also in um dh um with danny valentis helped us of 11 um, I got another guy. He's called Paul, yeah. from the City Lane. Yeah. They they know what we do and they they share stuff as well. So. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, because I, I read that your um, you know, your family is um, food royalty in Colombia, but you're obviously pretty famous as well already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. People know us for what we do, and because they they know our style is a bit different. And because I worked at Pastuzo and all these other restaurants, people get to know you and they're like, oh, I, I met you at Movida or I met you at this place. Like, yeah, well, now I'm here. So it's awesome to see you. So, And we got a lot of followers. Like there's, there's a couple of these Australian guys that started coming to a little festival that was at Pran Market. We did a couple of years and that's where we met and they, they like very... Uh, photographer like ent- enthusiastic of of that and they bring cameras and they take photos and we became really good friends and we we don't know like we I, I don't even think know the name but when they come we they always come and take photos and it's pretty cool to have you know people that are interested in what on what we do and they we have a follow-up yeah. because of that so that's great great experience wow so um so what's so the next things you are you going to Auckland um, and then the the other meat stocks that you're talking about that are in the different cities, will you go around those as well? Yeah. Yeah. So we do Hamilton, 24th and 25th of Feb. Oh. Uh, we do the net meat, the next meat stock after that one. It's um, uh, Toowoomba in Queensland, which is like an hour away from, um, an hour and a half away from Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And it's on the 8th and 10th of March. 
And then they used to do it in Melbourne Showgrounds, but now they will do it in Bendigo. Okay. 16 and 17 of March. And then in Sydney, 19, 20 and 21st of April. Yeah. And hopefully I'll go to Brazil just to see. In I think it is June or July. Go and see what it's like. And, yeah. You know, we might as well. It'll be cool. winter here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we, in between those events, we have catering. Uh, you know, we get hired to do events in in their houses, in the big backyards. We can bring the setup and we can do it there. Oh, know. people would love that. We, yeah. we have the spinner and we can bring it to their place. So it's pretty good on that. And there's always events and things coming up. And then that's already April, May. Once you see it, we will be getting towards December and... December is massive for us because we do like traditional cooking for that for those dates for Christmas and years. Yeah. So we get really busy. We we've done a um, lechona tour, so the staff pick. I've I've made like for two, for four, and ten people. We cryo back, it. We freeze it, and we have taken it to Canberra, Sydney, Gold Coast, and Brisbane. We did it last year, and we're gonna do it this year. Hopefully to all the cities in Australia, to all the main cities. So wow, you're empire building. <laughs> getting the name out there, yeah. It's not easy, but no. I think you have to dream big to you know to achieve. And I know that you know you know you're not gonna be big in one day. You need to work for it. So that's why we work a lot and trying to get there. Congratulations. Thank you so much. so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Juan Berbeo from Berbeo Bros. If you liked what you heard, you can check out all the goodness, and there's a lot of goodness. You can also practice your Spanish on their Instagram account at Berbeo Bros Australia. That's B-E-R-B-E-O-B-R-O-S Australia. And if you'd like to hear more chefs, more chefs and their stories, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat and become a subscriber at www.conversationwithachef.com. I'd love it if you told a friend about my chats, and of course you can follow me, so I know you're there, on Apple and Spotify podcasts. I've also recently joined Audible and Amazon, if that's your jam. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, and bon appétit.